No MB, but the Sixers still find a way over Ja. Steph gets back to his scoring ways, and the Celtics get a monster win versus the Heat. This is Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily coverage of the NBA and beyond. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network and the co-host of Locked On Nuggets. He's David Ramil. You can find him on Twitter at DRamil13, co-host of Locked On Heat. We got a healthy Monday slate to break down for you on today's show. David, why don't we start with what I think is a, this was a night overall where a lot of teams that were down guys got wins over teams in much better spots. It was a wonky late January night in the NBA. Absolutely. And that's, that's the nature of this season, right? A guy steps out uh, unavailable for injury or health and safety protocols. And then somebody steps in a little bit fluky. Miami, that wasn't the case, but against the Memphis Grizzlies, the Philadelphia 76ers were without Joel Embiid, and they got some incredible performances from Tobias Harris. He had 31 points, and Tyrese Maxey in his second season with 33 points, 13 to 23 from the field, coming up big late in the game to help seal the victory in overtime for the 76ers. They advanced to 31 and 19 on the season, a big game for them. Just finding ways to contribute. Even Andre Drummond had a pretty big game. 16 points for him. 8 of 11 from the floor. Of course, 23 monstrous rebounds as is Andre Drummond's way. But, uh, you know, just a a strong performance from them to remind everybody that, you know what, they're deep. Whether they make a trade for Ben Simmons or not or whatever happens during the course of this regular season, they're still a pretty legitimate contender. I know we've talked about them in the past, but what were your takeaways from this game? You know, Memphis was able to get fast break points, which the Sixers have a really good transition defense, but the Grizzlies racked up 29 transition points. But Memphis's offense outside of that really struggles. Like that's to me is the big thing is everyone's trying to figure out the Grizzlies and and whether or not they're a serious threat in the Western Conference. And one of the reasons I've been hesitant is if you kind of dive in and the eye test matches this is that they're just not great in the half court. And late in this game, when they were just trying to get over the hump, they just couldn't do it. Like the Grizzlies were without Dylan Brooks for sure, but look, you've got all these yeah. other guys. You should be able to get it done versus the Sixers without Embiid. And yeah. Maxi was great. And Tobias Harris, who's had an awful season, had a really good game tonight. John ja made an incredible play at the end of the game to force overtime. But this is the other thing. It's like, you forced overtime. You should have been able to break them then. It's like, all right, we screwed around, but now we're going to actually take care of business. Nope. Sixers come away, make all the plays in, in overtime and wind up getting the win. Like, that's a concerning loss, honestly, I think for Memphis in terms of, these are the type of games where if it's tough, you're going to want to win them. Um, I got to – I just – I got to ask where Embiid was because it just – I feel like he's probably going to be there when they play the Rockets or the Magic or whoever else. And for some reason, he's not here in this one with the rest. I, it's weird. But they said it was your, They said it was a scheduled absence, right? Like the mm-hmm. doctors had, had set aside that he wasn't going to be available for tonight's and is perfectly capable of just did not do so. You, you have concerns about that? You think there's something fishy about that? No, I don't think it's I don't think it's weird. I just think uh I'll put it this way. One of my guys over the action network noted that uh Embiid has not scored over 21 points versus Steven Adams in quite a mm. while. And mm. 
I, I just think it's weird that like he dominates, he dominates the bad teams, but it's right. weird that, uh, that his rest schedule sometimes is perplexing to me. But <laughs> like you said, this extra team, I think is good. I think this extra team is, is, is deep and it's good. And they play together. Drummond gave them a lot tonight. It was a quality win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's all you can take, right? I mean, Memphis, uh, playing significantly better than the Sixers, I think, of late. But uh, still, you know, the Sixers finding a way to come away with a victory without Joel Embiid there. I, I think that just speaks about this incredible depth uh, and the fact that they were able to find contributions. And maybe maybe depth isn't the right word because uh, Tobias Harris is so hit and miss. But on a night like sure. tonight when he's coming up as big as he does, uh, the Sixers certainly look much more dominant than your average team. So I didn't catch this one. Catch me up on, because I knew you would be on top of it. Catch me up on Heat Celtics and how that one went down. Because uh, no Kyle Lowry. He's still out with personal reasons. No Jimmy Butler in this one. Uh, And the Heat, who have been really good in these spots, and the Celtics, who have been so uneven, did not see the end result of this one coming. How'd that one shake out? Pretty badly for the Heat. They started off really slow, as you would imagine, with three starters out of the lineup. Uh, it wasn't much better over on the Celtics side. They were a little bit sluggish, but they started to get key contributions from Jalen Brown, who finished with 29 points to lead the Celtics. Uh, overall, then the Heat found a way to come back. They, you know, they strung together some good performances from Max Struess. Uh, he had a career high 27 points. Uh, normally a bench player, but another guy who has been able to be plugged and played in there by Eric Spolstra, and he comes up big with 9 of 17 shooting from the perimeter. They tied the game at 32, but eventually the Celtics just started pulling away. They closed the first half with a 9-point lead, and in the third quarter, uh, Bam Adebayo picked up a fourth quarter. Duncan Robinson was a miserable 2 of 8 from the floor. Haven't been able to get consistent production from him uh, all season long, really. He had a couple great games and a couple of not-so-great games, and it looks like it's just been an up-and-down season for him. But unfortunately, then, the the Celtics just wound up pulling away. The Heat, after a triple overtime loss to the Toronto Raptors on Saturday, just didn't have the energy. They didn't have the horsepower. They didn't have anything, and they just completely fell apart. Eventually, the Celtics wound up blowing them out with a 30-point win, 122 to 92. That wasn't even this close, to be honest with you. It looked like it could have been a 40 point loss uh, or, or even higher uh, the way they played. And you have to chalk it up as bad as the Heat were. The Celtics were actually really, really good defensively, just making things very difficult for a team without any energy or without their best players in Miami and weren't able to get the kind of production you might want from either Tyler Hero or Bam Adebayo. Boston just found a way to step up, doing everything defensively to challenge guys like Bam and Hero, uh, just maybe sticking to Duncan a little bit more, targeting him on defense. Uh, you know, he was getting he got into foul trouble early on. So you have to acknowledge that the Celtics are a really good team, as inconsistent as they've been. They're right, I believe they're currently what the eighth seed right now in the standings or eighth or ninth seed, but either way. Still a dangerous team just based on the fact that their defense is as good as it is. Miami shot terribly overall uh, and just wasn't able to mount any kind of consistent offense most of the game. Boston goes a 17 at and 10 uh, at home, which I thought was surprising given how their losses have been kind of catastrophic this season. Uh, they are 10 and 15 on the road, so they got to get better in those spots. But, I mean, they're kind of starting to get it together a little bit. Uh I'm sure we can hear more about this on Locked on He. I know you did an episode on it a couple weeks ago, but yeah. I did want to ask you, uh, do you think that there is, what do you think the chances are that Duncan Robinson gets moved in the next 10 days? I don't think it's, I don't think it's high. Uh, I, I think they still have faith in what he can provide, even though Struess has been arguably more consistent than he has been in more limited opportunities. 
And I think the return of what you're going to get on a Duncan Robinson trade probably isn't enough to, I, I think it's more of an off season deal. If anything, like and, mm. I think they signed a deal with Duncan on both sides, probably knowing that they, he wasn't going to be able to outlast it in Miami because it's a, a manageable deal. That's just a, this is the way that Miami has been operating over the last couple of years, where they signed guys like Kelly Olynyk, uh, James Johnson, Dion Waiters, all those contracts, as bad as they looked, you know, from in a vacuum, they were at least movable. And Duncan's is somewhere along those lines, even though he struggled to some degree this year. Uh, I just don't think you can trade him for anything that's a significant upgrade. And why not keep one of Miami's greatest strengths all year has been their depth. And, you know, whether it's Max Struess going off or Tyler Hero going off in the perimeter, or Duncan, you want to have those options come playoff time. So even though he is a slight liability on defense, he's still better defensively than Max Struess, although a large swath of fans seem to disagree with that notion. I think he's better defensively than Struess, uh, just in terms of team defense, but he's still so foul-prone. Uh, that I. But despite all the limitations, he still gives them something. Like He can still go from 7 of 9 on any given night, and so that's a dangerous weapon to have, and there's always the gravity factor with a shooter like Robinson, too. Well, I mean, hey, maybe his playoffs will be great because his regular season, I don't think, could be much worse given <laughs> his, his profile. Uh, yeah. Let's move yeah. on. And real quickly, before we go to break here, let's talk about Knicks and Kings. Uh, this was a blowout from the start. Knicks just yeah. roll in this one. No De'Aaron Fox for the Kings. I kind of like was curious to see what would happen uh, with Davion Mitchell in the starting unit. He goes 8 of 17 for 18 points. Another strong game Good for game. Tyrese Halliburton. With 21 points on seven to 16 and eight assists, like Halliburton's turning into a really, really good player. But the Knicks just honestly had it rolling. Alec Burks goes for 21. Uh, showcase game maybe for him in trade talks. He's the price for him apparently in trade talks is high, according to mm-hmm. two people that have inquired about his availability in recent days. Uh, Julius Randle, hey, more points than shots. That's the goal. 17 points. On seven to fourteen shooting and nine boards uh, for the former All Star RJ Barrett with a quiet night, eleven points on only home on fourteen shots. Um, but the Knicks bench once again comes up big. They got fourteen from Quentin Grimes, and once again, this is just baffling to me. David Obi Toppin scores fourteen yeah. points in eighteen minutes, is a plus ten, and only plays eighteen thirty two. Like, what does Toppin have to do to get on the floor? You watch him, and you're like, Obi Toppin is awesome. Like just absolutely I, awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't get it. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know where you take away those minutes though. I mean, I guess it's just, you've got Randall there. He takes up the bulk of the minutes. I, I mean, Mitchell Robinson in theory provides a little bit more in terms of his rim protection and things of that sort, but you got to find a place for top. And then you make that strange move for Cam Reddish who managed to actually play five minutes today, but there seems to be a glut there and somewhat aimless of a front office. Uh, I mean, they just, after a couple of years of being a very, very bad front office, they've made some good moves. And then now they kind of seem to be making some head scratchers as well there. I just don't get it. Look, this game at least showcased the Knicks' strong defense. Uh, we're able to kind of put a stranglehold on a, a really limited Sacramento team. Uh, not able to capitalize for the free throw line. I'm looking at this. They went 11 of 22 from the line. Harrison Barnes. Another big name in trade talks, a two of seven from the line there. So not a great game for him. They shot under 29% from three-point range there. So tip your hat to the Knicks who continue to do something on occasion. So why not? You know, it's interesting. Usually the Knicks like defensive style is to try and force turnover. They want to like apply a lot of pressure to you. The yeah. Kings were able to beat it, but they couldn't hit anything on the weak side. And I mean, some <laughs> of it I thought was good closeouts by the Knicks, but yeah. in general, yeah. just uh, a bummer of a performance from from the the Kings, who once again I just seem to be going 
nowhere. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we will talk more about this slate of games tonight. We'll talk about the Raptors getting another big win. Hmm. We'll talk about maybe the most surprising outcome of the night. And we'll talk about the Cavs squeaking one out as well. We'll do that when we come back on Locked On NBA. But first, David, can you tell our listeners and audience about TurboTax? Absolutely. Look, we've all got unique lives, whether you're invested in crypto for the first time this year, or if you own an up-and-coming small business, or if you're raising rambunctious twins. Luckily, TurboTax Live has experts who can answer your tax questions. They'll walk you through the whole process, or they'll even do your taxes for you from start to finish, no matter your unique situation. To TurboTax Live experts, an interesting life can mean an even greater refund. So visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Intuit TurboTax Live. Go to TurboTax.com to learn more. We're also brought to you by RockAuto.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock the parts that you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Is that an LX or an SX or a BX or an MX or what? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer. Choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You've got computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You get to save time and money when using Rock Auto. You can, why choose to spend 30%, 50%, sometimes even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every single customer, and they've got everything that you need from brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Back here on Lockdown NBA. Thanks for making us part of your day and making us your first listen each and every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Well, as you know, the NBA trade deadline Thursday, February 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern. And the Lockdown NBA podcast will be covering it live from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, my guy John Corrales, and Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Lockdown NBA YouTube and turn your notifications on so you know when we go live. Back here on Locked On NBA, David, the Atlanta Hawks have been on mm-hmm. a roll lately. They have absolutely been terrific. However, they ran into a big obstacle tonight in the form of the Toronto Raptors, who every single time I think that this team is dead in the water, they come back. And every time I think this team is going to make a run, they start to slide. I don't know what to do with the Raptors, but they got a big win tonight. They're great. Uh, I mean, having just seen them against the Heat this past weekend. They've been a fun team to watch. Yeah, that was a triple overtime. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, Great performance there's there by a potential all-star candidate, Pascal Siakam. Nobody's talking about Gary Trent Jr., who's averaged over 30 points per game over the last few games since he came back from injury. Uh, You know, he's just been phenomenal. He's just a dangerous weapon for them to have. They've got all these 
I mean, everybody talks about the Cleveland Cavaliers and their unusual length and their big guys and everything else like this. The Raptors have it too. They've got a bunch of, you know, incredibly athletic, uh, switchable bigs that can guard multiple positions as Scotty Barnes, Siakam, and OG Ananobi. I mean, they're just, they're a great team and they've got great championship experience there with Fred Van Vliet. Of course, Nick Nurse continues to do a really good job of, of keeping things interesting. So the Raptors... I mean, look, we can have this conversation since the Celtics won and they look pretty dominant against the Heat as well. But of these teams towards the bottom end of the Eastern Conference standings, I mean, nothing seems assured, right? Like, I mean, everybody's been talking about the the strength of the East, right? You've got Brooklyn, you've got Milwaukee, you've got Philadelphia, the Heat, et cetera. But the bottom rung teams there, the ones that are currently hovering around the, the seven through nine mark, they're pretty dangerous in their own regards. I don't know that you can write off either the Celtics or the Raptors completely yet because they seem to have something unique about them and just enough experience on their end that could challenge any of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. Maybe I'm crazy, but I, I, I'm a believer in what the Raptors have put together this year. I think if you're the Bulls, you don't want to see Toronto get, you know, the seven or eight spot and go up right. against them. I think if if you're the Heat, you definitely don't want to see Toronto. There's <laughs> such a pain to deal yeah. with. You know, the, the playing tournament right now would be Tor- it would be Hornets versus Raptors for the seven. Then the yeah. loser of that would face winner of Celtics Hawks, like Hawks, Celtics, Raptors, Hornets. Your worst, your easiest option there is Lamelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, and a high octane offensive team in Charlotte. Like that's your yeah. easy one. That's the yeah. easy team there. Uh, a lot of depth in this Eastern Conference. You know, this game. Cool. One thing that I think is, is notable is is Toronto going to this. They've tightened the rotation, right? They are no longer playing like everybody. It's uh, they went to a nine man rotation tonight. You know, Boucher, yeah. Achua, yeah. Champagne, uh, and Banton play. And Siakam was, I thought, tremendous in this game on both ends of the floor. He's been getting a lot of of people have been like, you got to know Siakam. I'm calling out Siakam. He's been great. Uh, yeah. 25 points, six rebounds, four assists, two steals, two blocks. Like four stocks for Siakam in this game. He was everywhere on that back line versus, you know, uh, that Hawks. And I'll say this, like the Hawks team, I'm actually not surprised that the, that the Raptors got the win here because the problem with the Hawks um, on top of the fact that I will say like no Trey young, right? So right. the Hawks fans are just gonna be like, no Trey young. And that's fair. Right. I, I think it's fair when he's the engine, but yeah. I, I still feel like this, this Hawks team has enough talent with Collins and Capella and Herter and all these guys to be able to do something, but they just can't get the stops. Like they just simply are so disconnected defensively and against a, a team like Toronto, that's so disciplined. That's how Gary Trent Jr. got the like he got quality shots all night long. Um, yeah. and they get the win. Yeah. So here's a weird one. Okay. The Clippers are facing Indiana. And the Pacers in this nightmarish season are without <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner, <laughs> Demonis Sabonis enters into health and safety protocols. So he's out. This is their starting five tonight. Justin Holiday. Tory Craig, Ricky Isaiah Jackson, mm. Chris Duarte, and Karis LeVert. And Duarte goes 3 of 11 from the field. Right. And yet, the Pacers get the win over the Clippers. Now, the Clippers obviously without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And then the big one, I think, honestly, here was that um, no, if he's a Zubach, that was yeah. huge because that opened the door. They had to start Ibaka, who actually like won his minutes. It was good, but they were so short-handed, and they had to go go small a little bit. And Jackson just went off. Yeah, 
big game for him. Uh, impressive showing. And then their their backup was a rookie too, because no O'Shea Brissett. So they were definitely yeah. undermanned, and yet they were still able to beat these Clippers. I mean, I, I've talked about the Pacers before, and uh, it's been hard to kind of get a read on them. I think I'm not alone in that regard. <laughs> I, forgot that, I forgot that we're back here with you having to come up with trying to explain the Pacers on yeah. Lost on NBA Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but look, I mean, Marcus Morris Sr. Uh, goes 4 of 14 from the floor, so that's a big problem right there. I don't think it was anything that the Pacers were able to do defensively, just a bad game for him. Otherwise, the Clippers probably a good chance at coming back and finding a way to win this game. But, you know, you tip your hat to a guy like Jackson who comes in there, starts in place of Sabonis and Turner and, and, and gets some incredibly productive minutes. 29 minutes, 12 of 19 for the floor, 26 points, 10 rebounds and a steal and two blocks. So a great game for him, a big overall performance. But, yeah, Tuarte, that was impressive to me, for him to go 3 of 11 with only eight points and for the Pacers to somehow steal a victory. Uh, pretty impressive there. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, 5 of 13 from the field, 1 of 6 nice. from 3, 13 points nice. and a minus 12 in 23 minutes. Just rough, Kennard. rough stuff. Yeah. Kennard also, he's been really good of late, and uh, he was struggling 1 of 7 from the floor. So a big part they were of the also clearly, They were clearly watching minutes, though, on the back-to-back, too. You can tell that that yeah. was part of the Clippers' whole deal here, too, as well. Yeah. Uh, finally, before we go to break, um, the Cavs sneak one out versus the Pelicans. They trailed this entire game. It was a slugfest. It was ugly. 93-90. This game was gross. It was absolutely <laughs> gross. Jackson yeah. Hayes had 19 points for the Pels. No Darius Garland for the Cavs. So their backcourt was uh, Chetty Osman and Isaac Okoro next nice. to Dean Wade. <laughs> and then Mobley and Allen. Uh, Rajon Rondo comes off the bench. And Kevin Love saves the day, essentially, is a plus 17, giving them 15 points and 11 boards, uh, including three of eight from three-point range. Brandon Goodwin gave them awesome minutes. He was eight of 11 from the field, 21 points. They needed somebody who could run guard. And so Brandon Goodwin was very helpful in this game because they had nothing else. Uh, Jackson Hayes outplayed Evan Mobley. Jonas Valanciunas comes back for the Pelicans, but no Brandon Ingram. Um, I will say the Cavaliers lost to the Pistons on Sunday and they probably should have lost this one, given how the game kind of played out. Like they get out with the win, but as somebody that has been like, kind of like, Hey, the Cavaliers are really good. I'm getting a little nervous that maybe the injuries are starting to be too much for him late in the season. Well, I mean, you expect Garland's going to come back, right? And and he's been near all-star form all season long. And I, I imagine that's uh, probably not as big a concern there. But, I mean, you get a night where, where Wade, Osmond, Okoro, that deadly trio goes a combined 7 of 26 from the floor there. Wade 0 of 5, Osmond 3 of 16. Not great. Uh, you know, luckily Okoro 4 of 5. I don't know what to make of this one, to be honest with you. I think... I'm reading a little little bit more positively just because the Cavs without Garland were able to stage a late game comeback and outscore the Pelicans by nine in that fourth quarter. So I think there's something positive to take away from this. If you're a Cavs fan on the Pell side, it's just another tough loss, unfortunately for them, but for the Cavs to be able to do so without your best offensive player, arguably, I I think you have, you find something positive and you say, you know what, we're building good vibes. We're building good habits that we can bank on later on the season when the team's a little bit more healthy. Uh, real quick before we go break, let me ask you if you have one all-star or all NBA spot that you could give to, and you had to give it to one of two guys, Darius Garland or Fred Van Vliet, who gets it? Oh, 
It's Siakam in it at this point. <laughs> no, it's a guard. You got it's one of the two guards. I know, I know, but I'm saying, but you, you want some Raptors representation there because I think they're deserving, mm-hmm. and I think uh, if, if you're going to choose a Raptor and Siakam gets in, that's fine, and I can see why Van Vliet. I, I know that's kind of that's kind of tough, right? That the whole thing is, is so difficult to judge I, at this point. You know, I got to go with Van Vliet. I think he's just a little bit better defensively, so I, I, I had to I had to say uh, he is more deserving at this point in their careers, and Garland will have more opportunities down the road. The fact that we're even in that conversation says a lot about where Garland is, yes. right? Like that's a lot. Yeah, of, that's absolutely. A, that's a step forward. Yeah. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll wrap up the rest of the games here on Tuesday's Locked On NBA from Monday's slate. But first, I need to tell you about Bet Online. You know, there might be less football being played, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for this playoff season. Scores, totals, playoff performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land. Bet Online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. Not just football, but online.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Final segment here with David Ramil breaking down Monday night in the NBA. I'm Matt Moore. Thanks for joining us. Two more games to wrap up, and let's start with the big offensive performance of the night. Steph Curry. Okay, here we go, David. So, over the weekend, Steph has a good game. And I'm like, sure. okay, maybe Steph's back. And he has a really awful game. And I'm like, oh, I guess that was just like a one-game performance and maybe Steph's not back. And then they face the Rockets, who are just what you need to get things right. Steph goes for 40, 13 of 23 shooting, 7 of 14 from 3, 9 assists, 5 boards, plus 18, Warriors roll over Houston they got a great game from Andrew Wiggins, who had 23 points on 14 shots. Moses Moody started, which I'm very excited about. He had a good game, 11 on four of seven shooting. I was very excited to see Moses Moody playing. Um, I like Moses Moody a lot. Come on, look up. This Rockets team is just not in a great spot, and they just can't they can't defend. Uh, Jalen Green, another rough night. Two of the field, 0 of two from the from three, five rebounds, two assists, and a minus 19. Like. I can't believe Jalen Green's been this bad. I've really been surprised. I thought he would at least put up numbers. Um, Alperin Shagoon doesn't play enough than <laughs> as he should. Yeah. He should play way more. But I'll ask you. Okay, we got two out of three really good Steph games. Steph back? I think so. Uh, I, I think you see a player going through these kinds of slumps, and you assume that as long as he's healthy, there isn't anything too serious. Uh, I, I know there's been a lot of talk about him slumping and then whether or not he was able to break out of that. To me, I... I I don't know that he was ever in a real slump for a prolonged amount of time for where we could have any kind of legitimate concerns. Uh, 
you know, he's, he's Steph Curry. Like I, I, I think you always have to believe that he'll be able to find a way out of it. Uh, I don't think there's anything psychological and there's nothing physical with him, at least not publicly disclosed, uh, that I don't think there's any reason for concern. And when you see a game like this, yeah, I think you're certainly convinced that he's back 7-14 to 14 for 40 points. I mean, come on. Uh, are, are you concerned that he's not back? Because I don't see it. I know the Houston Rockets certainly play a big part of that. But this game was a lot closer, right, than the final score would show. A 14-point semi-blowout there. But with six minutes left in the game, the Rockets were only down four. And right yeah. there mm-hmm. on the cusp of, of stealing one against the Warriors. But, you know, Curry comes up big as he often does. He had a really big burst in the fourth quarter. Kerr didn't take him out when he usually takes Curry out and let him roll. And he racked up like 19 points. It was crazy. Like he just rolled um, yeah. and got through it. You're right that they, they kind of hung in this game. Um, one thing kind of of note from this game, Kevin Porter Jr. decided to talk at Steph like a lot. Like Kevin Porter Jr. was in Steph's ear and Steph mostly just ignored him and then goes off for 40. And um questionable decision there. Yeah, not not great from Kevin Porter Jr. <laughs> not the best. That's almost ever. synonymous with Kevin Porter Jr. is questionable decisions there, right? Yeah, questionable decision, Kevin Porter Jr. Uh okay. final game of the night, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Nice. I don't know. Maybe this is. I don't know. Maybe this is more. Is this more or less surprising than the Cavs or the the <laughs> Patriots getting the win? I can't tell. Um, the Blazers, no Damian Lillard, but they did have CJ McCollum and yeah. Norman Powell and Yusuf Nurkic and should have won this game, and they just couldn't score because Anthony Simons had a bad night. His first bad night in what feels like forever. Three of 16 from the field, eight points on 16 shots for Ant. I, by the way, he should not be called Ant. His name's Anthony. That does not make any sense. Uh, five boards, two assists, but Simons was just rough from the field. Look, the Blazers went seven of 38 from three-point range, 18%. Could not hit water if they fell out of a boat. And to the Thunder's credit, I will say I thought the defense was really good. Um you know, Nurkic put up numbers in this one and probably like the fact that they was they were minus two twenty-two with him having 14 points on seven to twelve shooting against the Thunder, like Nurk needs to probably carry you a little bit more, especially if your three-pointer is not falling. Like I'm not necessarily a big fan of the whole like, well, if your three-pointer is not falling, you gotta do something else. I think sometimes, depending on the team, you gotta stay who you are. But like the Blazers, like the 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 Thunder don't have any bigs. Yeah, they don't have any bigs. No. Nurkic is huge. Let the man eat. Um, you know, you mentioned Gary Trent Jr. with a huge night tonight for the Raptors, 31 points. Norman Powell, 17 points on six of 15 shooting. Not not what you want to see from Powell trying to step up. Like he has not been somebody that has carried them at all. Um, McCollum was good, 21 points on 10 of 17, but good Blazers are never gonna play good enough defense, right? Yeah. Like they're never gonna play good enough defense. And if you don't shoot and you can't defend, that's how you lose to the Thunder. Yeah, I, I, look, that, as egregious as that sub-19 shooting percentage is from three-point line, the fact that they only got eight free-throw attempts all game long, oh, man, this yeah. is no ability to draw contact there, nobody to slow the pace down in their favor, just nothing, no clear identity with that Dame Lillard in the lineup there. And as good as a player as C.J. McCollum is, just seems like it's pretty clear now that he is a, a very distant to be to you know Dame Lillard there. Does he get moved to the trade deadline? Because I mean, I know that's the biggest or one of the biggest names I think most likely to get moved or at least linked in trade talks there. But I just can't see a potential trade for him there. I know Blazers fans don't even really want to hear about the possibility of breaking up that duo, but it just seems like he's never going to be able to reach whatever potential he can be as a great second string player. Uh, he's just 
he's just not going to be able to find his footing in Portland, at least not in my opinion. Do you think he gets moved before the trade deadline? So I, I reported this last week that there has not been a significant offer yet for Powell. There just right. hasn't been, or not for Powell, for, for CJ. There just hasn't All been. Right. There just hasn't been anything major. Uh, there is a kind of a feeling in some circles I've talked to that if he goes anywhere, it's going to be New Orleans. That's like the, the most mm. likely team that they've got the trade assets from the Lakers that they can, that, that Portland would be interested in. Mm. Um, maybe send like a young player and a pick or two and CJ goes to New Orleans. And then the idea is like you kind of reconfigure the backcourt around like, so when Zion comes back, you're able to say like, Hey, we've got veterans that are ready to compete and win right now. Um, but I like that move. the problem is there's just not like much of a market from my understanding right. is like, there's just not teams that are like, Ooh, yeah, CJ. So, yeah. which is weird. Cause I think CJ is still really good and can help a lot of teams, but there hasn't been like a really robust market. I think Covington probably gets moved. I don't mm. like, I would be a little surprised if Covington was still on Blazers roster after the deadline. Um, and then the other names are Nurkic and Powell. And I think there's probably like a 50, 50 chance on both of those guys. With really? CJ, I'm honestly closer to 50% than I thought I'd be just hmm. based off of the fact that I haven't heard anything. Like, it's not like, oh, this team has kicked the tires on it. There just hasn't been anything of real substance to to kind of generate. So as of right now, uh, I don't know how this is going to go with, you know, Blazers. It kind of looked like they were maybe gaining some momentum. This is a bad loss. You know, yeah. we'll see what happens with 10 days left until the deadline. Yeah, a Thunder ending a seven-game losing streak against the hapless Portland Trailblazers. So not a good, not a good momentum builder before the trade deadline. There, to be sure. Sam Presti hates to see that. Hates hates <laughs> to see that breaking up that that losing streak. That's gonna wrap it up for Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Make sure to check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, especially for that trade deadline show. Check that out. Give us those five-star reviews. You can follow David on Twitter at dramil13. I'm on Twitter at hbbasketball. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys again next time. Locked on NBA.